Good morning. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon. There's a nonprofit youth and community development organization called Rocking the Boat in the Bronx that uses boat building as one of the many on-water experiences to help educate and empower young people. I'm here today with Rocking the Boat Executive Director Adam Green, On-Water Program Director Rachel Darty, and Rocking the Boat Program Participant Stephanie Cabral. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Good morning. So let's start with Adam. What exactly is Rocking the Boat and how did you come up with it? Well, Rocking the Boat is a youth development organization. We're based in the Hunts Point section of the South Bronx, and we use these uh, unique mediums of wooden boat building, environmental science, and sailing education to help young people grow and develop into whatever they want to be in life. Uh, I started it when I was in college uh, as a volunteer project, and uh, I started building a boat with a bunch of junior high school kids in East Harlem, and it just kind of grew from there. So now this is 15 years later, and I still get to say this is my first job out of college. Okay, so let's back up. So how did you get involved in even being interested in boat building? Well, it was really very randomly through a volunteer project. I, I started volunteering at this junior high school, and the the teacher there said he'd had a dream to build a boat in his classroom but could never pull it off on his own and wondered if I wanted to try to do it. And Like a literal dream? or um, uh, <laughs> Probably more like one of those like things that he always hoped to do. An um, aspiration. An aspiration, exactly. Uh, I don't know, know if it was quite that spiritual. but um, And uh, uh, you know, he said, would you be interested? And he showed me a, a set of plans and had some scrap wood that he'd collected from a, a construction site. Uh, and, and I said, Sure. And I, you know, I grew up in Manhattan. I'd never done anything um, like building a boat before. The only boating experience I'd had was on uh, the sailboat, the Hudson River Sloop Clearwater. I'd spent some time uh, when I was a kid with my family. They were Pete Seeger fans and uh, therefore got involved with Clearwater. And so like many other kids in Manhattan, I, I spent some time on the boat. But really, other than that, I did not have a, a boating background at all. Um, I always sort of um, fantasized about being a, a carpenter, but had never done any carpentry. So uh, for me, this experience building a boat was just as, as new as it, as it was uh, for the kids we, we were working with. Explain Clearwater for those of us who don't understand what it is or don't sure. know what it is. Uh, Hudson River Sloop Clearwater is a 106-foot uh, sailing ship that sails up and down the Hudson River and does environmental education and advocacy work uh, for the Hudson. It was started in the mid-60s by uh, folk music singer Pete Seeger and friends and has been now around since then uh, doing pretty amazing work up and down the Hudson River. And, and so certainly uh, it was a, a, a big sort of early inspiration for me in, in getting involved in the environmental movement. I honestly wasn't particularly thinking about it from a boating perspective, and I, I wasn't thinking about it at all from an individual education perspective. And so I think what Rocking the Boat has succeeded in doing is working uh, for a very long time with individual kids and helping to, to really develop them as individual people into the world as opposed to a much broader, more mass uh, environmental advocacy effort. So what are some of the programs you have? Take me through them. Sure. Well, Rocking the Boat has basically five levels of programs, ranging from a community rowing program where every summer we bring our boats down to our park at uh, Hunts Point Riverside Park in Hunts Point um, and take over 1,500 people out rowing for free uh, any Saturday from Memorial Day to Labor Day. Uh, just come down to the park and we'll take you out for a row from 12 to 5. We do group programs for school groups, for adult groups, uh, uh, staffed by our, our former students, program assistants like Stephanie, uh, who uh, then, then run programs uh, ranging two to three hours in length. We serve about 1,000 people a year through those, through those school-based programs and adult programs. Then we have uh, three intensive long-term youth development programs and uh, where, where high school-age kids come and, and spend between 
two and and six years with Rocking the Boat. Uh, the first is our, our our primary level program where freshmen and sophomores come and choose to be either in the boat building program or in the on water program. If they're in boat building, they build a real wooden boat from scratch. This semester, we're building a seventeen foot. Whitehall, traditional New York City rowing boat. We harvest our own wood. In fact, uh, very specifically, we harvested a 265-year-old oak tree that blew down right across the, uh, the the street from here in the New York Botanical Garden about two years ago, and, and we've been using that to build build boats with since then. How um, many boats can you get out of that big old uh, tree? That big old tree built us about five different boats. Um, How do you so, come up with the design? Uh, the designs are pretty much all traditional historical designs. You can find books that are full of boat designs. We're actually planning on designing our own Bronx River uh, rowing boat this winter because our, our uh, um, uses are quite unique and we're finding that we need a very particular design to, to, to meet them. Okay, explain but, uh, unique. Well, um, traditionally boats were used uh, for work. They, they were fishing boats, they were you know like taxis, transportation. We're using them to do education, to get young people on, to do environmental science. None of these things that we're doing with boats were the uses that they were put toward originally. So we're sort of retrofitting the designs that, that are historical to our uses. In fact, we built two sailboats um, from a, a Connecticut River drag boat design historically that we uh, made some changes to and now called the Bronx River Expedition Boat. So you had um, to modify the right. way the boat it, was so exactly. it would fit your purposes. So, right. So what we're going to be doing this winter is designing our very own boat that will have unique um, you know, uh, qualities that, that fulfill. Are you allowed to tell what those unique qualities well, yeah, are? Yeah, they're not, not too secret. <laughs> I mean, the, the number of people we keep in our, we, we, we hold in our boats uh, is, is generally about six. And we want a boat that can comfortably hold six people and that has the weight displacement ratio that the Coast Guard uh, approves for a six person for a six-person capacity. We want a boat that can row really quickly and smoothly through the water. Um, we want a boat that's really shallow and what's called shallow draft. It doesn't go d down deep, so uh, the Bronx River is a very shallow river. So these are just some of the things uh, that, that we're looking to, to design that will be more particular to the kind of use that we have. The other half of the youth development program uh, is on water, where a group of 20 kids spend their time with Rachel, the on-water program director. So, Rachel, can you tell me about what you do? Sure. Um, we have a lot of things going on in the on-water program. So once the students finish building the boats in the boat building program, the boats come over to my program, the on-water student program, and we use the boats to do different environmental projects on the Bronx River. We're teaching basic boat handling, boating safety, sailing, rowing, navigation, um, basically everything that's involved with using a boat. Well, which level was that one? So this is the student level. That's so this is kind of the entry level. So when you come into Rocking the Boat, you either come and work with me or you work in the boat building program. After two semesters in, in that primary level program, you're given the opportunity to apply to become a job skills apprentice. And you can either be a boat building job skills apprentice or an environmental job skills apprentice. So these are roughly juniors and seniors in high school. Um, and in both programs, um, young people are doing much more technical work that has um, an, an external value and impact. So in the case of the boat building job skills program, um, the, the apprentices are both repairing our own fleets so that Rachel and the on-water group programs and the community rowing programs all have a, a bunch of boats to use, but they're also building boats for outside clients. And right now we're building a 29-foot whaleboat for the Mystic Seaport Museum um, in, in Connecticut on contract. So they're paying us to build a, a pretty huge boat. It's going to be a two-year two long project. 
And, and you're a nonprofit, so that goes we, back yep, into your organization. All, yeah, that's all support to, to run our programs. Uh, the, the job skills apprentices get paid uh, seven twenty five an hour and up, uh, so it's a real a real job for them. And then likewise, in the environmental job skills program, um, environmental apprentices are working with professional scientists in the field doing a whole range of environmental science work on the Bronx River. Then the fifth level of rocking the boat um, young person participation are program assistants like Stephanie. So these are, um, are folks who have been through the student and the job skills programs, have gotten into college, are, are either in college or, as is the case with Stephanie, college graduates, and if they're in New York City, are eligible to come back to work for Rocking the Boat to help run all of our programs. So Rocking the Boat has right now uh, 12 program assistants on staff. They're paid $10 an hour and up, um, and they assist all the different program directors across all of our programs. So uh, between the students, the job skills apprentices, and the program assistants, we have about 75 young people involved at Rock, uh, with Rocking the Boat in any given semester, plus the hundreds of others in the community rowing and the on-water group programs, uh, resulting in about 3,000 a year. So, Adam, when you first started the program, the Rocking the Boat program, did you envision it to balloon into this whole environmental process, this whole environmental program in addition to the boat building? I think I, I always had an idea that it would involve environmental um, experience, but I didn't envision, well, the balloon effect as we now have, um, nor the environmental restoration, real real science in the field work that we're doing. Um, I was thinking, oh, just be, you know, we're building boats. We've got to figure out how to use them somehow and make the connection to the environment. So really, we were looking for um, a way to tie everything that we do into a really practical application. So we're not just teaching math and carpentry. We're building real boats that actually work. Well, then what are we doing with those real boats? And then I figured out, oh, wait, we need to do all this environmental science work on the Bronx River that necessitates having boats to go out and, and, and check our traps and look at the muscle raft and take water monitoring um, and samples from, from different points in the river and observe birds from out in the water. This is Fordham Conversations. I'm Robin Shannon discussing the Rocking the Boat Youth Development Program with its Executive Director, Adam Green, On Water Program Director and Fordham grad, Rachel Darty, and Program Participant, Stephanie Cabral. Now, Adam, I do want to get into some of the individual uh, environmental projects you're working on, but I want to uh, speak with Stephanie now, who's been with the project for a while. You started the project in high school, yep. correct? So where did you grow up? I grew up, well, really close to here in Kingsbridge. So I started out as a Ranger Conservation Corps student. And then what there, is that? <laughs> it was just a program from the Parks Department, and there was this ranger there called Anthony Archino, and he kind of just went like from... Like a parks ranger? Yeah, he was a parks ranger, and then he kind of moved to Rocking the Boat. From him being a parks ranger to a director at Rocking the Boat, he kind of just took me with him. You know, as time went on, that was my freshman year in high school. Was this a high school program, or was this something you did? like after school it was a after school program mm -hmm. so I was always interested in the environment and then when well I call him Tony so when Tony left he was just like I think that's you, the ranger yeah the ranger, ranger Tony yeah ranger okay Tony. <laughs> when he left he was just like I think you should come to this program with me it would be a really nice experience a really interesting experience and I was like okay so before we the Hunts Point location we were at Clayson Point and I went to Clayson Point, and I was like, Mom, where are we? What's yeah. Clayson Point? Um, I actually, how would you explain Clayson Point? Uh, Clayson Point is a little park at the very end mm -hmm. of Soundview Avenue sticking out into the East River, and it kind of feels like you're in another on another planet out in the wilderness. Why? Um, it's just far out there. You're sitting on Soundview Avenue in, in on, on the bus probably for 
for 30 minutes from the nearest train station to yeah. get there. And um, it was a temporary spot while we were um, in between parks locations on the Bronx River. So for one year, we ran our programs from, from Clayson Point, and that's where Stephanie uh, came into the into So, the Stephanie, story. you're riding this, this, this bus for like 30 minutes going, where the heck am I going? And my mom was like, are you sure we're in the right place? And I'm like, this is where Tony said we had to go. So we get into Clayson Point, this little park, and I see Tony, and he's like, hey, glad you're here. And I'm like, Tony, where are we? <laughs> so there were other students there, and I was just like, okay, do you guys know where we are? They're like, yeah, here's the East River, and here's the Bronx River. I'm like, the what? They're like, the Bronx River. I'm like, we have a river in the Bronx? Right. So that was my first experience, just like hearing about the Bronx River was that day. And then Tony's like, we have this environmental um, education program where we take rowboats out onto the Bronx River, and it'll be a really cool program. You should just stay with it. And I was just like, okay. And then we moved to the Hunts Point um, location, and I just... It was basically every every after school day, I would just go straight on to rocking the boat until my senior year in high school. And w- when was your senior year in high school? To uh, oh seven. Oh seven. So yeah. now, what are you doing? Right now, I just recently graduated from college, and I'm a program assistant part time at Rocking the Boat, and I'm also a intern at the Bronx River Alliance. And which uh, college did you go to? I went to SUNY Institute of Technology. Okay, what did you major in? Psychology. One thing that I learned in a lot of my psychology classes was the sense of community, since that was really the focus of my studies. And that's what I want to do, you know, in the future is that I want to get a master's in urban affairs and really focus on community, because that's one thing that Rocking the Boat has always like taught me is you go in there and you just feel this sense of community. All the kids know each other. They're so warm. And it's just like everybody likes each other. Everybody's nice to each other. And I feel that that's something that you have to spread out through these communities, especially in the Hunts Point area. So it's just getting more community involvement. And you said especially in the Hunts Point area. Why specifically in that area? Well, the Hunts Point area, I mean, again, this is, I've never heard of the Hunts Point area until I started going to Rocking the Boat. And it was just like, you see it and it's just like, you you don't get a sense of community there. It's been an area that's been through so many hardships and having programs like Rocking the Boat and other ones in the area, it just helps. It helps bring the community together. It helps them see that my community matters. Do you think there's a sense of accomplishment that comes with creating this boat or working on this boat and then you actually see it come to fruition? Oh, definitely. Like the oyster, we have this oyster reef project and Adam can probably explain it more to you. And I, when I first started out as a student at Clayson Point, we were putting clam shells in these bags to start the oyster reef. And then coming back as a program assistant years later to see the final product and to see that it's grown and there's more students that are interested and they feel proud of themselves for these these type of projects. And Rachel helps with that pride? Yes, I try. <laughs> <laughs> and Rachel, you're from Fordham University, correct? I am. So, Rose Hill, class of 2005. <laughs> okay, so how did you get involved with the Rocking the Boat program? Yeah, I started at Rocking the Boat in January of this year, and um, my background is in sailing. I had been working um, you sailed here uh, I, at Rose Hill, didn't you? Or I, Fordham? I, yeah, I did, actually. And I actually ended up as, at Fordham because I was recruited for the sailing team, funnily enough. Um, but, yeah, so my sailing career kind of started at Fordham, and I, I sailed on the team here. Were you always interested in boats? Yeah, it was sailing was something I grew up doing, and it was a hobby. It was never something I, I ever dreamed I would be doing as a job. Um, but lo and behold, I, I finished here at Fordham and um, went on from there to 
pursue um, a career in sailing and coaching and got really into working with youth and different youth sailing programs. And uh, I heard about an opportunity at Rocking the Boat, and it just sounded like a really amazing program. So, And it was, it was very exciting for me to be back in the Bronx, boating in the Bronx again. And where are you from? Little Rock, Arkansas. Was there a big change from Arkansas to New York City? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, big culture shock. <laughs> <laughs> what was most surprising or what changed the most? Or um, what shocked you the most? Yeah, I think the biggest change for me was just being able to see um, so many different cultures and different kinds of people in one place. Uh, that was really amazing for me, even just walking out onto Fordham Road. So that was probably the biggest change that I noticed. You described earlier what you specifically do for Rocking the Boat. What, what projects are you working on now? So right now we're actually really trying to amp up our maritime skills and our on-water programs. So we're really working on developing sail training and seamanship. Um, we recently had a 30-foot Pearson Flyer sailboat donated to us that we're going to use to do um, even more sail training and hopefully eventually some distance races with the students. So sea training, what's that? Sure. So I mean... So what basically happens is we have students that come to Rocking the Boat that many of them have never even seen a boat before. So we start from square one. This is a boat. This is how you get in a boat. This is, what you, this is how you act around a boat. We teach rowing. We teach navigation um, because obviously we're on various different bodies of water, so they have to learn how to navigate. And actually this summer, we took our students on a trip all the way up to Connecticut. So we actually took the boats that the kids had built, and we rowed and sailed them all the way up to Connecticut over the course of three wow. days. And that was really really special um, and just really empowering for the kids just to know that they could do that. And they were camping along the way and it was a complete blast. And is that part of the skills that they're learning how to read a compass or they're learning how to read the sky? It is. It is. So, yeah. So we, we do everything from learning kind of basic, you know, weather, how to read a weather radar, how to learn different types of clouds, what they mean. Um, all the way through to this is a chart. This is how you read a chart. This is how you plot a course. This is how you would plan a trip. So we do all of those things. And what skills do you think that they're taking away from these nautical skills that they can put into, put into action in everyday life? The really great thing that the boating we do provides for these kids is that boating inherently requires a lot of really great teamwork, communication, critical thinking, decision making. So these are all things that kids can take and, and use in their everyday life in many different ways. So now I'm going to ask Adam, what was one of your first environmental projects? Sure. I think when we started doing environmental science, we started uh, with the much simpler stuff than, than the kind of things we're, we're doing now. And I'd say that the first work we did, and we're con continuing to do it, is water monitoring. So we would go to a number of different spots along the river and collect a series of protocols, um, different tests, um, consistently weekly over the course of the year so we could see what was going on um, from, from week to week, from month to month, from season to season on the Bronx River. So we would collect things like salinity, the amount of salt that's in the water, uh, turbidity, the amount of um, cloudiness that's in mud that's in the water. Uh, we'd collect uh, pH levels. Um, I'm sure Stephanie could probably give some other good examples of, of, of the water monitoring protocols we do because she's had more experience at it than I have at this what point. What are some, any more, Stephanie, you can think of? So he says salinity. I, I did salinity, turbidity, and pH. Okay. And Bet I, you didn't know it was going to be a quiz, huh? I know. I was just like, wait a minute. I do this all the time, so now I'm on the spot. Okay. Um, pH, did you say that one? Dissolved oxygen. Okay, yeah, dissolved oxygen, how much oxygen is in the water. Why is that important? 
well, it's important because we have all these different organisms in the water, and if we don't know how much oxygen is in the water, we don't know if they're alive or not. Um, nitrates, yes. Thank you, Rachel. <laughs> so we also have dissolved oxygen and nitrates, and nitrates is just how, well, how much poop okay. <laughs> <laughs> is in the water. And why is that important? Because it can also contaminate. It, it lets us know about the contamination of the water, and I know I'm missing one more. Oh, we also do temperature and stuff like that because it's important. I can jump in and say that all of these different factors affect the health of the river across a, a whole range of different um, impacts. So uh, it affects the health of the fish in the river. It affects the health of the plant life along the river. And then who eats the fish and the plants, the birds. Um, so it kind of it kind of magnifies out and out and out. The, the one really big problem with the Bronx River, and this is not a problem that uh, the Bronx River alone has, is um, the result of combined sewer outflows. And uh, a great deal of our environmental work is uh, intended to offset the impact of combined sewer outflows. What that means is uh, New York City has a, a, a really old sewer system. Um, what happens when you flush your toilet and what happens when the rain comes down is it all goes to the same place, into the same pipes and then into the same sewage treatment plants. When it's dry out, uh, the sewage treatment plants have enough capacity to process all of our sewage, what you flush down the toilet. When it rains any more than a quarter of an inch, it maxes out the system. And so any, anything beyond its max capacity then gets released directly out into the river. So that means rainwater and sewage water. So when there's when there is a rain, really rainy day, raw sewage is still going directly out into the Bronx River and the Harlem River and the East River and the Hudson River. Um, and so one of the ways that we're offsetting that is to well, one is to monitor to figure out what's actually going in, so we can advocate for 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 greater attention to this. And that's what a lot of the water monitoring work has to do with. The other is to and you mean like laws or rules? Yeah, or, exactly, mm -hmm. exactly. Um, uh, all you know, permitting requirements, all sorts of different things. Um, the other, though, is to keep stormwater out of the sewer system. The more stormwater we keep out of the system, the less there is a chance of it maxing itself out and then, then sewage overflows happening. And so right now we've got really four different projects oriented toward keeping either keeping stormwater out of the system, treating it once it's gone into the system, uh, or testing it once it's, once it's already there. And so water monitoring is, is the testing kind of at the end. Um, we, we built a, a rain garden behind our building. We have a 6,000-square-foot building, and now all the rain that falls on our roof, rather than going in storm drains and right down into the sewer system, is instead directed out to the back of the building into this rain garden and then directly into the ground. And over the summer, uh, from, from beginning of June to the end of August, we collected over 50,000 gallons of water and directed that out of the sewer system, which is it's a significant impact. What um, kind of, what's the name of that project? Or do they have names? Uh, yeah, that project is the Rain Garden project. Okay, yep. <laughs> that's easy enough. Yep, we built a rain garden, <laughs> and it's, it's, uh, it's the... the how, many, yep. how many kids mm -hmm. did it take to build that? Uh, that was a project of the Environmental Job Skills Apprentices, so we had eight kids working on it. Uh, we hired contractors to actually build the, build the, the raised bed, and then the apprentices did all the, um, the, the design work and the planting, and now lots and lots of maintenance uh, to, to keep it up and running. Another, another project is this big wetland and grassland we just planted behind the ABC Carpet and Home. This is a massive $350,000 project uh, that we, we just um, uh, completed. Um, more, what does it look like? Uh, it looks like um, a, a beautiful kind of um, kidney-shaped pond 
that uh, is full of big green grasses that acts as a natural filter. And its, and its purpose is to take all the water that, that lands on a 30,000 square foot parking lot and along the way picks up all the hydrocarbons, what's in gas and oil along with it. It was previously being dumped directly into the Bronx River and now it's being diverted through a big pipe into this wetland. It's being filtered through the natural grasses and then released far more cleanly into the river. So it's not just something that's beautiful, uh, but it's actually doing a real job. And, and it's taking place in, in this backyard, which was previously just sort of an empty lot. The other really neat aspect of this project is that there's a whole new public access sort of park area um, on this property as well that, that now the public can walk into and, and enjoy any time. Um, it's on private property owned by ABC Carpet and Home, but they've made it available to the public. So this project has the kind of dual benefit of, of doing a real job of, of filtering stormwater um, and, and, and cleaning it, but also being a new beautiful place for people to come and enjoy the Bronx River. Uh, the, uh, the third really exciting stormwater project is we are working with um, the National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration, uh, uh, an oyster farmer from Maine and um, the University of Connecticut to grow mussels and seaweed um, at the mouth of the Bronx River, right, right next to the outflow of the Hunts Point Wastewater Treatment Plant. Um, both mussels and seaweed do the job of similarly to, to salt marsh and, and wetland grasses filtering sewage. And so they eat nitrates, the stuff that we're testing for, and result in cleaner water. And so we're growing um, basically a 400 square foot raft uh, worth of mussels and seaweed on either side of it. And the seaweed and the mussels together will process um, 10 people's worth of nitrates daily when it's at full capacity this coming spring. And it's a fascinating project for us. We're literally going into the business of, of becoming mussel farmers, only these are not mussels you want to eat. Um, but we're, <laughs> we're growing them and we're testing them and we're working with professional scientists. And um, this is all, uh, all three of these projects were um, the result of a, a big New York State Attorney General settlement uh, for pollution upriver on the Bronx River and, and money was granted to doing stormwater infrastructure work at the lower at the lower end of the river. So for, for Stephanie, who's been doing water monitoring for years and years and knowing that it has a benefit but you can't see it, to put her energy into building something beautiful like this wetland and grassland area and then actually see the result of it um, is, is, is pretty thrilling. Stephanie, are you more cautious about water consumption oh, or water yeah. use <laughs> now? <laughs> I mean... As a student, you kind of don't realize, you know, what impact you have on the river. And then as you go along in the program, you start becoming more aware. Progressively, you just start to change your thinking of water use and pollution. And you start to recycle a little bit more. You start reusing your, your water, you know, using the same water bottle. You just become more conscious of the environment. Rachel, same question. Are you are you more environmentally conscious since you've begun working for uh, Rock in the Boat? Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of the work we've done has been very eye-opening, and it's actually been really fun to watch the students' attitudes changed mm -hmm. about about conservation and things like that. How have they changed? Um, well, I mean, there's just kind of a, cult, a green culture at Rocking the Boat, you know, and it's, it's fun. to. I, there was a student the other day really tickled me. He said, you know, I used to see those environmental ads on TV, and I just didn't care, but now I know they're important, you know, and just even a small comment like that is indicative of kind of some of the work we're doing. You know, uh, Stephanie earlier was talking about the Hunts Point neighborhood, and an important demographic to throw out is that uh, Hunts Point 10474 zip code is the poorest zip code east of the Mississippi. Um, the 16th congressional district where Hunts Point is located is the poorest congressional district in the nation. So we are really working with some of the most underserved people across the country, and it's, it's hard to, to imagine that, that
that this kind of poverty exists within our own city, but it certainly does. So um, everything about rocking the boat is designed to help um, use all these all these tools, building boats, um, building wetlands, restoring the river to build kids. Um, and and what we're really pushing them toward is is a successful, sustainable lifestyle. Um, uh, for a great many of them, that means going to college, as Stephanie is a fantastic example of. Um, for some of them, it means going into the trade unions and, and directly into the workforce. Um, in every case, uh, we have social workers on the staff along with our uh, boat builders and, and, and sailors like Rachel and environmental scientists like Chrissy and Don, um, uh, who are taking everything that kids are doing at Rocking the Boat and then helping to translate it into very practical um, application, whether that's uh, a literal application like applying to college or a software application like communication skills and teamwork and uh, setting personal goals and, and figuring out how to reach them. And so in, in every way, we're building the capacity of the young people uh, from really the poorest the poorest place in this country to be to be successful in in life. You mentioned all the social work because I think that's a really yeah cool I, yeah the, it's really important. I mean, one of the things I wanted to make sure to communicate, I think we did, was that the social work uh, component. We have two licensed social workers on staff. You Why could, do you have the two social workers on staff? Well, when you when you come to a place and you start to feel comfortable, you start to open up and sharing information with me at that point uh, that. I really didn't feel like I had the, the, the time or the skill to be able to address. And so I think uh, 2003, we hired our first social worker. And that uh, initial position, and really very much what they're still doing, is helping to address all the issues that come up in kids' lives personally, academically, socially, emotionally, um, but also helping to take what they're doing at Rocking the Boat, this relatively random, weird stuff, and make it totally practical and relevant um, and put it to work in the rest of their lives. And I have to agree with that. I mean, I can go here after school. I'm learning this, but I also have somebody there that is more than 100% willing to support me with anything. My thanks to Adam Green, Rachel Darty, and Stephanie Cabral. For more information on this nonprofit organization, visit rockingtheboat.org. Stay with us, George Bodarki and Cityscaper next on WFUV. For Fordham Conversations, I'm Robin Shannon. I'm gonna build me a boat where these two hands should be a fair curve from a noble plan. Let the chips fall.